Hello and welcome to the Dive Deep, Climb High podcast. I'm Mel Luizu and together with my guests, we explore all different aspects of leadership in higher education. With inspiring stories, practical tips and a little bit of fishiness, this show will help you dive deep into the leader you are and climb high, unleashing your power and potential. Dive deep, climb high, can-do leadership in a world of can't. Hello and welcome back if you're a regular listener to the show. A very warm welcome if you're a first-time listener. This podcast has been created to help leaders in higher education. My aim is to create a community of listeners who can learn and grow together. To do this, I need your help. The more people that download, subscribe, rate and review this show, the more the podcast algorithms will ensure it pops up across the globe. I love Hello, the community we have created so far. And together with your help, we can encourage podcast. even more people to join us. Every episode of the podcast will be a deep dive into the three guest episodes that preceded it. The idea being that we can dive deeper into the topics that have been discussed, pulling out the key insights and learnings which may be useful to you on your leadership journey. The conversation may help you uncover new ways to unleash your own power and potential, as well as the power and potential of those around you. This week, we're going to take a look back at episode 18, you Cannot Lead Without Love with Rene Rajkumar. Episode 19, How to Become a Networking Angel with Jane Donaghy. And episode 20, Candidate Attraction is Vital with Hayley Minturn. Three very different conversations with three fabulous women, all wonderful leaders in their own right and offering something different in terms of our own learning and growth. Let's start with episode 18, my conversation with Rene Rajkumar, who believes you cannot lead without love. Before we started our conversation, I not really considered the synergy between the two sides of the work she does. During the day, her focus is on health, safety and compliance. But outside of this, she has her own coaching practice where her attention is on helping others achieve their hopes and dreams. On the surface, it would appear that these very different roles require different skills. But Renee demonstrated quite beautifully how she uses them to help her be even more brilliant in whatever situation she finds herself in. Whilst in her compliance role, she uses her coaching skills to great effect, using her questioning and listening skills to help those she is working with identify risks and find solutions. And conversely, when she's coaching someone, using the risk management model to help her clients understand the potential risks of whatever path they have chosen to follow. It's quite simply a fabulous approach that reminded me of two things, that we're all quite unique and the concept of transferable skills is absolutely valid. 
Rene and I are both coaches and we're both effective in helping our clients achieve their potential in whatever way that is meaningful for them. However, the way that we do this will probably be very different. It doesn't mean either way is right or wrong or one is better than the other. It's just a different approach. And herein lies a valuable lesson for us as leaders. When was the last time you asked a member of your team to do something and then got a little bit angsty because they didn't do it in the same way you would have done? Or you were quite happy with the outcome, but secretly you thought they could have got a better result if they'd done it my way. Go on, be honest with yourself. I know I found myself in that situation before. As leaders, it can sometimes be a real challenge to let our team fly and find their own ways of doing things. Yes, it may be quicker and easier to tell them what to do, but is that really helping them grow and develop? No, it's not. It's just ensuring you create a team that does what you want and over time, this can become incredibly destructive. The number of times I've heard managers complaining about their team because they will never make decisions or take accountability for what they are doing. And yet these same managers don't take the time to self-reflect and think how they could be contributing to the situations they're moaning about. If you want to have a team that is decisive and happy to take accountability, then you need to create an environment that enables them to do this by encouraging them to use their own skills and develop confidence in their abilities to deal with new situations. Of course, they won't always get it right. And yes, it will take longer than simply telling them what to do. But in the long run, it will be better for you, for them and for your institution. So what kind of leader do you want to be? One that tells others what to do or one that facilitates the growth and development of those around you? Recognising that you can't create clones of yourself. We are all unique. And as leaders, we need to be encouraging people to embrace that uniqueness, to find their own way of doing things. The other point that chatting with Rene brought home to me was the power of transferable skills. Chatting to Hayley Minturn in episode 20, who is business development director at the management recruitment group, there is no doubt that right at this particular moment in time, recruitment is a challenge across the sector. Finding good people is tougher than it's ever been before. So if you're thinking about making a change in your career, taking that next step, moving to another institution, now is a good time to be doing it. During our conversation, Hayley and I looked at recruitment from both the employer's perspective and the potential employee. As I said to one of my coaching clients just this week, who is looking to make their next career move. Recruitment is a two-way process. 
So often we forget that. Not only is it about the employer finding the right employee, it's also about you finding out whether a potential organisation is right for you. During my time, I've made some wonderful appointments, but I've also made some mistakes along the way. And there is no doubt that making a bad recruitment is an issue. It's an expensive mistake to make, and not just in terms of financially. There is also the emotional impact for the person themselves, you and your team. Therefore, as Haley suggests, it's really important you think about the recruitment process and how you can create a variety of different scenarios so you can see how potential employees respond, whether that be psychometric tests, skills tests, informal chats, formal presentations. From my perspective as a coach, I also believe that the more comfortable you can make a candidate feel, the more likely they are to open up to you so that you can see the true person. So often in interviews, we can find ourselves saying what we think the other person wants to hear. But think about this for a moment. Is this a good strategy? Is it really the best way of finding out whether you and an organisation are a good fit? Haley advocates that employers are upfront from the start about what they want from potential candidates. It's perhaps no surprise that as we are coming out of the pandemic, more and more candidates are looking for flexible working options. However, let's be honest, there are some jobs which are customer focused and people will need to be in work five days a week. So far better to be upfront and honest about that from the start than telling candidates, well, there might be a, an option for you to work from home occasionally when there absolutely won't be. Honesty from both sides from the start will help make a successful appointment. The other fascinating area that we touched on during our conversation was a trial that MRG have used with a client around recruiting around a set of emotional intelligence competencies and providing the client with the results of those rather than the usual CV. This proved to be a highly successful recruitment strategy for the client and brings home what Rene said so well, that skills really are transferable. And sometimes in the sector, we can get so hung up on people having had higher education experience. But actually, people can learn that. If people come along with the right skills and attitudes, then they can quickly learn about higher education. My guest from episode 19 was Jane Donaghy, Associate Director at UAL. I've known Jane for a number of years and she is without doubt 
as the title of her podcast episode suggested, a networking angel. I've observed Jane in many, many different situations and there is no doubt that networking is a key part of her leadership strategy. And I've learned so much from just seeing her in action. One of my favorite places to be is standing talking to people, whether that's delivering a keynote presentation at a conference for several hundred people, facilitating a leadership workshop, or coaching one-to-one. However, in the past, if you asked me to go to a networking event, I would have rather poked my eyes out with a hot poker. So why the difference? Well, for me, networking always felt like a bit of a forced conversation. And especially since I've had my own business, it felt like networking was the place where I needed to sell my services to other people. And worse than that, I thought that people only wanted to talk to me because they wanted to sell me what they had. With a mindset like that, is it any wonder that I hated networking? More than that though, if I went in with those thoughts in my head, what impression must I have given over when I walked into a room. Without even knowing it, my mindset was creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. I hated networking. I thought that it was a waste of time. And in the first year of my business, having networked quite consistently for a year, I could prove it. I'd got no business. There you go. But seeing Jane work her magic is the complete opposite. She walks into a room and is genuinely happy to be there. Sure, sometimes she may have people that she specifically wants to speak with, but she is also open and genuinely curious about whoever is in the room. Compare her approach with mine. Who is guaranteed to have a good time? And who is the person that leaves drained, deflated, and never wanting to go to another networking event again. Fortunately, over time, my attitude has changed. The idea of selling my services has been thrown away and replaced with one of curiosity. I have my business and do what I do because I love people. So actually, networking for me is a great opportunity to meet more people and see our human behaviour in action, which provides me with great stories, lessons and learning. Maybe one day I will join the networking angels. But for now, I celebrate just how far I've come by shifting my mindset. How about you? How do you feel about networking? Are you a networking angel or do you need to reframe your thinking. Very often, we think of networking just as the events we attend. We don't consider the bigger picture or how we can use networking strategically. As I said, for Jane, it's a key part of her leadership strategy. Most of the jobs she's had have come through networking. And she was also really candid about how she used her network to navigate the challenges brought about by the pandemic. 
And just like the recruitment process, a successful networking strategy is two-way. Whilst Jane is never afraid to reach out to her network to ask for help, she is also very generous with her time and knowledge and will reciprocate that help in any way she can. Technically, the relationship that I have with Jane is that I'm a supplier, but she treats me no differently than she would a member of her own team. I know that if she feels the need to, and thank goodness she doesn't often, she will kick me up the backside when I need it. But she is also my biggest supporter. I'm so grateful for the referrals that she's given me over the years. And I know that she cares as much about the success of my business as I do. It's a completely genuine two-way relationship. And that's not special to me. I have seen her behaviour play out with other suppliers. During the pandemic, she was worried as much about the team of her third-party catering provider as she was about her own people. So it's yet another brilliant nugget to take away. Not only do you need to enjoy networking, but once you've created that networking, it's about building relationships that are 100% genuine and two-way. And that is the reason why I call Jane a networking angel. As you can probably tell, I enjoyed each and every one of these conversations with these marvellous women. If you haven't yet had the opportunity to listen to all of the episodes, they are well worth it because each one contains valuable tips that could help you climb higher on your own leadership journey, whether that be leading with love, recruiting the best talent, or becoming a networking angel. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Dive Deep, Climb High podcast with me, Mel Luizu. To help build our community of leadership listeners, please leave me an Apple podcast five-star review. Remember, our fishy adventure doesn't have to end here. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter. Links are in the show notes. Dive Deep, Climb High, can-do leadership in a world of can't.